youth across the United States. Crackdowns are increasing on the teaching of black and brown history in schools. The main school of thought that is under attack critical race theory is being slandered by the right as being racist and segregationist. In reality, however, critical race theory is a progressive theoretical framework by which structural and institutional racism can be examined. Uh, to me, frankly, it's about are we going to teach the truth about what happened in the history of the United States or are we going to just uh, white it out, basically? Overall, uh, Republican lawmakers are pushing bills in nearly two dozen states and have so far enacted laws in Texas, Tennessee, Iowa, Idaho, and Oklahoma that seek to limit how teachers can discuss systemic racism in public schools, often under the guise of banning critical race theory from classrooms. And in May, Arizona lawmakers voted uh, to ban um, certain types of anti-racism training, including critical race theory for government workers. Meanwhile, the Senate rejected a bill to require teachers to present all perspectives of controversial race issues as best they can. And efforts to recall school board members are surging around the U.S., and especially in California, mid GOP efforts to squash any teaching in schools about institutional racism. Meanwhile, every year on the 4th of July, millions of people across the U.S. celebrate what's properly, uh, popularly known as Independence Day. But on July 5th, 1852, the historic abolitionist Frederick Douglass gave a keynote address and an Independence Day celebration and asked what to a slave is the 4th of July. Let us start off this segment with a clip of the great James Earl Jones uh, reading part of Frederick Douglass's speech. Frederick Douglass, once a slave, became a brilliant and powerful leader of the anti-slavery movement. In 1852, he was asked to speak in celebration of the 4th of July. Fellow citizens, pardon me and allow me to ask, why am I called upon to speak here today? What have I or those I represent to do with your national independence? Are the great principles of political freedom and of natural justice embodied in that Declaration of Independence extended to us? And am I, therefore, called upon to bring our humble offering to the national altar and to confess the benefits and express devout gratitude for the blessings resulting from your independence to us? I am not included within the pale of this glorious anniversary. Your high independence only reveals the immeasurable distance between us. The blessings in which you this day rejoice are not enjoyed in common. The rich inheritance of justice, liberty, prosperity, and independence bequeathed by your fathers is shared by you, not by me. The sunlight that brought life and healing to you has brought stripes and death to me. This 4th of July is yours, not mine. You may rejoice. I must mourn. 
I must mourn. Let us now welcome our guest, Margaret Kimberly, author of Prejudicial, Black America and the Presidents, which was published in 2020. She is editor and senior columnist at Black Agenda Report. Her work can also be seen on her Patreon site, as well as Twitter, where her handle is at Freedom Ride Blog. Margaret Kimberly, welcome. Thank you so much. So tell us about, uh, you got the context there of our discussion, the terrible origins of uh, July 4th. Uh, tell us your arguments in the article and why you felt the need to make this argument right now in 2021. Well, we're taught history so terribly in this country. Uh, the Declaration, <coughs> excuse me, the Declaration of Independence uh, lists as one of the grievances, and I'm going to read this sentence, quote, he has excited domestic insurrections amongst us and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers, the merciless Indian savages, whose known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions, unquote. This is never taught to us. I was a history major in college, and I was never was... Uh, asked to read the entire Declaration of Independence. Basically, the colonists wanted to be independent of Britain because the British had other interests on the continent. They had ended a war with France. They were fighting for territory here. And let's just be clear, both nations were invaders. But um, the conflicts with the French, uh, the French and Indian War, which is just what it was, the uh, uh, indigenous, indigenous nations had an alliance with France to fight against Britain to try to hold on as much of their land as they could. Uh, so the British said that there could be no new settlements west of the Appalachian Mountains because of indigenous resistance. Well, the colonists didn't want to hear that. They wanted the whole thing. And uh, uh, these concerns that Britain had were not theirs. <clears throat> they wanted it all. And they couldn't have it all as long as they were colonies. They had to be independent from England in order to get what they wanted and uh, uh, spread across the continent and take over all of the indigenous nations. Right. And, you know, the idea then that, um, you know, the what Frederick Douglass was trying to say and put forward in his speech. But fast forward uh, to today, the, the same arguments, um, Margaret, can absolutely still be made. So Dr. Gerald Horn, who's frequently on this on this show, you know, he has said that the so-named War of Independence really was a war about holding on to slavery and expanding it. And of course, we know the great expansion that happened in the United States I just did a segment on Haiti um, where the uh, controversial and corrupt president was Jovenel Moïse was assassinated, but it was really the Haitian Revolution that forced uh, the French um, out of the U.S., uh, out of what is now the U.S. and greatly expanding its territory. So I, I wonder your thoughts on all that. Oh, absolutely. There was a case in Britain, the uh, Somerset case. James Somerset was an enslaved man. Uh, his, the slaveholder purchased him in the U.S. and uh, brought him to England. He managed to escape but was recaptured. 
Uh, he did have friends, whoever, who went to court on his behalf, and the court ruled that he could not be forcibly removed from Britain. Now, this was a very limited ruling. It didn't end slavery. The British kept slavery in their other colonies for another 50 years or so. Uh, but even this tiny um, uh, limit was too much uh, for the colonists. They feared that the British would not support uh, slavery, which they had every, every intention of holding on to and, in fact, expanding. So uh, it, they were driven by two things. It wasn't the love of liberty. It wasn't the Enlightenment. It wasn't any of the nonsense we were taught in school. They wanted to make sure they could take the whole continent, that they could take it from the indigenous people, and that uh, they could spread out the, uh, their settlements and their plantation economy and continue to enslave African people uh, without any interference. That was the motivation for the uh, Declaration of Independence. Now, Margaret Kimberly, I mean, in, in the clip we heard, by the way, the first voice you heard was the late, great Howard Zinn, the author of A People's History of the United States, then James Earl Jones reading from Douglas's speech. But given the hysteria and the pushback happening around the teaching of critical race theory, I mean, to me, it basically is just trying to white out um, the racist origins of, of the U.S. from being taught. So I imagine, um, Margaret Kimberly, that if uh, opponents of critical race theory had their way, Howard Zinn, his work would be banned uh, in school. Certainly, we wouldn't learn about Frederick Douglass, or he would be greatly whitewashed. And certainly, your thesis, um, uh, Margaret Kimberly, would not be allowed. Just your final thoughts about the attack that's coming down now on how history is taught in the United States and what you think we need to do to push back. Uh, just your final thoughts in the last couple of minutes. Yeah, I, I find it uh, interesting that there's this outcry about cr uh, critical race theory as if history is being taught properly in American schools anyway. It's very unusual for uh, uh, kids and uh, even college students to be taught uh, what I just said, all of which is, is uh, 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 factual and um, uh, easily provable as true. So this is a pushback against a lot of things. It is something the right wing is using to uh, gin up support uh, for themselves otherwise, and you can't go wrong in this country um, by uh, promoting uh, anti-black policies. But um, I, I, I think we should also just be clear that we have never been taught history the way it should have been taught. We're still not being taught that, so we should not allow this um, uh, manufactured hysteria to throw us off course. Right. And again, uh, for people who want to follow you, you imagine uh, on Twitter they could go to at Freedom Ride blog. Is that right, Margaret Kimberly? That is correct. To and follow your work. Yes. And read blackagendareport.com every week. Right. And of course, your book, Prejudicial, Black America and the Presidents. Margaret Kimberly, thank you so very much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you.